a growler. Welcome back to Beauty and the Beastly Minute, the podcast where we analyze, theorize, and criticize Beauty and the Beast from 1991. We are excited to have you back with us this Friday. My name is Janae. And I'm Bobby. And we are your hosts. We will be talking today about Minute 35, where we start off with Belle saying that she doesn't want to get to know or have anything to do with Beast, and ends with Chip telling Mrs. Potts that he's not sleepy. Oh, Chip. Kids <laughs> never know when they're sleepy. But we do. Yeah, we <laughs> <Right>. do. <laughs> oh, man. This minute, the beginning just gets you because, um, well, in the previous minute, Beast decided to start spying on Belle to figure out what's going on with her, with his magic mirror, which, hmm, not sure that was a good thing, but maybe it was. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I just feel bad for him because when he hears that she doesn't want to have anything to do with him, his anger that he was just embracing and just so full of in the minute before melts away and he just is sad and hurt and vulnerable so i don't know it's bad because of that but maybe maybe it was a good thing for him because he needed to have a little humility maybe he needs that to hear that so that he can change and become a better person so that she can fall in love with him yeah yeah i mean it's definitely a sad face moment but (laughs) probably very necessary like you said i just I, I can't really say that I love it, but I love his lines here and how he delivers them. He's like, she'll she'll never see me as anything but a monster. <laughs> and I always expect him to say, but a beast, but he says, but a monster. So right. I guess that's good. I don't know. And then he's just like, it's hopeless. And the music is so sad and it like fades to darkness. And it's just such a sad moment, but it's such a good moment at being sad that it's like, oh, I love this, but it's sad. Well, there's a different connotation that comes with the word beast and the word monster. Because to me, a beast, there's all sorts of beasts that roam the earth that, I mean, a beast could be any animal who's not a human, basically, because there's, Mm -hmm. I mean, horses or dogs or wolves or bears or you know whatever moose those are all quote-unquote beasts but a monster is something to fear something to hate something to run away from and hide from something that will cause harm you know there's there's totally different feel and connotation that goes along with those two words so i think it's telling that that's the word he chooses to describe himself and how he thinks that Belle perceives him. Yeah, and I think that's also, you know, how he's seeing himself. Yeah. And obviously seeing himself reflected in her reaction to him that, yeah, it's not so much his appearance, but how he's acting and stuff. He's a monster. And then I like when he puts down the mirror, he like, he can't look at the mirror as he puts it down anymore. He can't, Mm -hmm. I don't know if he can't see the rejection, his rejection. He doesn't want to look at you know, himself being rejected anymore or his reflection or just the confirmation that he's a monster. Right. That is what he can't look at. Yeah. Sad face again. 
Sad face again. And then, of course, we get the jab again where the petal falls. And there's that awesome music as it falls. I just really liked it. Do you know if those are flutes and a harp? I mean, I could tell there were flutes. But there's kind of this plucking sound. But it sounds really yeah. elegant, too. So I was thinking it was the flutes and harp. And then it goes into, like, strings. But I don't know. I've never played an instrument in an orchestra, so that's just me guessing. <laughs> I'm listening to it over and over again right now. And? I think you're right. Yeah? I, I think it's... I mean, it's either a flute or a piccolo, um, but I don't think it's high enough to be a piccolo, so... <laughs> it's probably just a you know, flute and probably a harp. I've never been too good about recognizing harps because I've never been around them that much. They're kind of weird instruments. Um, One of my best friends plays a harp. Like, professionally and teaches harp. Wow. Yeah, she's really good. Who who learns the harp? I mean, <laughs> I, I'm i all about, like, keeping things alive and, you know, playing weird instruments and stuff. Like, I want to... One of my goals in life is to learn bagpipes. And I almost <laughs> bought a pair of bagpipes before my mission. And I was like, no, I shouldn't spend that 500 bucks on bagpipes. I should save it. Um, but I kind of wish I did. I mean, I sold my saxophone since then anyway, so I probably would have ended up selling them. So I'm all about learning weird instruments. Except for the harp is not a weird instrument. It's a normal instrument to be in an orchestra. In an orchestra, yeah. But, I mean, I guess there are a lot of instruments that are not very common unless you're in an orchestra. But harp is kind of... It's a special one because you you have got like your stringed instruments. It's very classical and it's very elegant. I mean, you see harps at weddings and in orchestras mostly. I feel like. And like rich people. Rich people teach their kids to play harp or have their kids taught to play harp. I think that's a generalization that is not necessarily true. I think like my friend that plays harp, I'm pretty sure she just fell in love with it and wanted to play it. And so she did. But you got to have like something big enough to drive it around in and like a whole (laughs) room for the harp. And I mean, I guess it's the same as a piano. You don't really lug a piano around everywhere though. Ever the pragmatist, (laughs) pragmatic, what's that word? I think you got it right the first time. Pragmatist. Probably. I don't know. Nobody ridicule me for not knowing how to say that word, please. Um, (laughs) so anyway, bagpipes definitely went over harp. They should have bagpipes in this moment. Okay. I'm not saying you don't like the bagpipes, but you gotta be careful about dissing on these gorgeous instruments that are in our movie we're talking about and that my friend plays. You can't even play the bagpipes. I could probably, I could probably do it. I mean, you could learn, but as of right this moment, you can't play. My friend went to college and got her degree in harp performance and is a professional harp teacher and performer. So, top that. Harpist. Yes. Just saying. And she's married to a French man. Just saying. <gasps> Just saying. <Sous-talos. laughs> Moving on. How do we do this? It's a podcast Rabbit where we talk hole. about Beauty and the Beast one minute at a time. <laughs> <laughs> So the next note I have is uh, we jump to Belle sneaking out and like either she's really dumb or she's really brave or she just does not care at all what happens to her because she doesn't know like she knows he's angry, but she doesn't know if he's going to like get really angry at her for sneaking out of her room and like rip her head off 
or if she's he's just going to be like go back to your room or go live in the dungeon now like she has no idea what the rules are but she's like i'm just gonna like sneak out and check out this castle. do you have no idea about her character at all <laughs> i mean do you saying. not remember a little bit earlier in this movie where she did the exact same thing after gaston proposed to her she waited a little while and then poked her head out to see if anyone was there. And when she didn't see anyone, she came right out. On her farm, on her, at her house. Like, that was her terrain, yeah. her territory that had been invaded and they were gone. And she's like, okay, I got to go feed the goats and, you know, spill all the grain and whatever. But this is like an enchanted scary castle that she just ended up in. And, and I can understand, like, the impulse to go and explore and check things out. But I don't know that I would go and do that like the first night. I'd probably try to get like a feel of what's going on uh-huh. with the castle and then like maybe go out the second night and check things out. She's hungry. <laughs> true, true, true. I mean, just saying, I'm being devil's advocate right now. I don't necessarily disagree with you, <laughs> but <laughs> well, I was just wondering how much time has passed that she's waited because later on... In the next minute, I get the sense that she didn't wait that long, but, I mean, it just seems a little risky to not wait very long to me, like you said, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I also don't think that it's been very long. Lumiere is obviously gone very quickly. Well, he's not gone. He's long. just preoccupied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is, I guess, my next point, and... It's just, like, a really awkward scene. Like, I don't know. I've always felt like that's a really an awkward part to be in a Disney movie. Like, as a kid, I was like, what's going on with those curtains? Like, what's going on back there? Uh, and Lumiere's got the little duster lady. <laughs> the feather duster? And I think in this... Yeah. I think in the script somewhere, it says that, like, Lumiere's having a tryst you know, <laughs> yeah. behind the curtain. And it's like, oh, Lumi hair, such a player. <laughs> yeah, they're just flirting, Bobby. There's nothing wrong with a little flirting, right? I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. It seems a lot more suggestive than just flirting. Oh well. And she says, "I've been burnt by you before." And so, first off, there's the question of, has she literally been burnt by him? And she's saying, you know, back off, Lumiere, because you are a candlestick and you have flames all over you. And I am made of feathers, which do not do well in flame. Like feathers and dust. Not not good for for flame stuff. She she doesn't show any signs of having been burnt before. But maybe she's like healed or magically magically healed or something but more likely she's just saying hey we've been in this situation before why you when you come on to me and then i guess presumably leave her like high and dry Mm -hmm. after he's had his fun she's rather flirty and engaging though for it to be that meaning don't you think yeah that's the tricky part it's like okay well she's she's because i thought of that too what's going on but she doesn't actually seem reluctant when she says that so I don't know. So it's probably just their their little fun, flirty way that they do things. Yeah. She's being coy and he's being French. And <laughs> I'm sorry. That's probably really rude to French people. That's just the stereotype that you have if you are French. I know not all French guys are like, what would you even call that? Is that a, a chauvinist, a player, yeah. womanizer yeah. type? But yeah. I like French people. Went to France. Everybody was really nice to me. So, got nothing to complain about. 
Well, moving on. Yeah, he just like totally drops her. Yeah. Well, he <laughs> like he sees Bella and just like whoop. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think he's a bit in shock that she would come out, and then all of a sudden he's like, "Oh dang, I'm gonna get in trouble!" So he like races <laughs> to catch up with her. That's true. I didn't think about that. That's probably more what his reaction is is based off of, not just like <gasps> she's out, but like <gasps> she's out, and I'm supposed to be the one keeping her in. Keeping her in. I'm supposed to keep her in. So. I'm not. I'm failing. Yeah. Um. But I really also love the gargoyle at the bottom of the staircase. When she's coming down the staircase, do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Where it's like kind of kneeling and it has this one hand up to its face and it looks like sad or something. I just really liked it because it just echoes to me the state that the beast is in and I really liked it. Hmm. Yeah, I think... This is probably one of the, uh, definitely one of the versions of Beast, because it, it's very man-like, but he has, like, this big tail that wraps around down, like, on the, the half-pillar thing that he's sitting on, and he's got the cow ears, but most of him is a man, so he's got a man, like, with a big lizard tail and, like, cow ears, hmm. and I guess, like, a, a goat's beard or something. I liked him as well, and then in the background behind her on the staircase, at the top of the staircase, there's, like, another guy that looks almost kind of angelic i guess if he didn't have those big ears or horns or whatever that are on his head <laughs> but he's like holding a sword and kind of also in a kneeling position a lot of these are, are like kneeling gargoyles mm-hmm. or statues oh one thing that i did mention because i always wondered about it and never knew what he was saying um when when lumiere notices that she comes out he says i'm not going to pronounce it right but he says zutalos i think mm-hmm. That's how you pronounce it? I think so. And I looked that up because that's what I do. And basically, there's not a direct translation for it, but it's supposed to be like a very proper, like appropriate way to say like, holy smokes, or like, well, shoot, or something like that. So it's an exclamation of uh, surprise and excitement, I guess. Kind of, yeah, just surprise at the situation that has occurred. Cool. Learn all these French words. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's used very much um, anymore. I can't remember if they said it was used very commonly or not. But that's what it means, if you ever wonder what that meant. The next part of this minute is Mrs. Potts putting all of her babies to bed in the cupboard. Oh, the Potts family. The Potts family. <laughs> they really aggravate me. First off... <sighs> First off, let's hear it. As I mentioned before, Chip kind of like ruins the whole continuity workingness of the curse because he's really young when the curse breaks, and Mrs. Potts is really old. And then here we see that he has count them, count them, twenty-three siblings. Well, including himself, there are twenty-three of them. Oh my gosh! <gasps> so you've got all these cups in there. They all have faces, so they're all people. So it's like, why did they have to do that? I mean, they could have just had like plates and bowls and stuff in there, and then maybe like one or two, or just Chip just said, "Hey, Chip, you're going to sleep in the cupboard." There didn't have to be a ton of these cups that were people. So why'd you have to do them? There are brothers and sisters. Um, the sisters have eyelashes. The brothers don't. I had never noticed that. Uh, yeah, you gotta get, you gotta like freeze it and look at it and you see the eyelashes yeah. on some of them. And then some of them are sleeping inside of other ones. Yeah. Like stacked cups, which I'm guessing from what we've seen so far is like inside of their stomach. So hopefully they're not like being digested by each well, other. Well, I think we need to <laughs> let go of the human anatomy that we are working under, the perception that we have of this human anatomy that we are projecting onto these objects because they're objects. They're not, they don't have human physiology anymore. And so they're going to function differently than. 
a it's human. True. And that's, that's how you would store teacups in a cupboard. So I'm pretty sure that's what they were going for. They were just like, okay, well, I mean, just imagine a bunch of kids piled into a bed together and they're kind of sleeping on top of each other and one has their foot on someone else's stomach or head or whatever. And I don't know. That's just kind of what I thought. Yeah, that's true. That reminded me of when me and my siblings were kids. There were six of us, but uh, four of us that were kind of closer in age. So we'd always do stuff together. We would do something called the blob, the blob. which was when we just like got a ton of like comforters and blankets and threw them all on the floor. And then like everybody just slept in a pile <laughs> in the blob. Um, usually it was like when we were building a fort, uh-huh. like in the living room with blankets or something, or we got we were able to watch a movie late or something and we'd That's do funny. the blob. Um, so I was like, yeah, yeah. That, I we can never see did that. that. We would put all of our comforters and pillows on the floor and then jump off our bunk bed onto them. Ouch. <laughs> there was a bunch of comforters and pillows on the bottom to catch you and make it soft. <laughs> I guess so. It's dangerous. Dangerous stuff. Well, I was a daredevil back then. Living on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um... I guess that that's my last thing on this minute is just the frustration that they had to put so many siblings in there that make it so difficult to figure out who are all these kids? Why is Mrs. Potts in charge of them all? I really don't think she's the mother of them all. So that's why I tried to come up with my theory that we talked about before, but I guess I'll re-mention here that I think Mrs. Potts is kind of like the, I guess, head of the kitchen, like head maid type of position and there were a bunch of orphans that for some reason lived at the castle or brought to the castle at a very young age and she was kind of put in charge of all the orphans and they all turned into her her teacups can i propose a different theory yes please okay (laughs) this is what i just thought of what i'm thinking is maybe all of these kids that she calls his brothers and sisters Because she never says they're her kids, right? She just says, in the cupboard with your brothers and sisters. Right. What if all of those kids are the collective kids of the adults who work in the castle? And who would have just maybe been around? And, or maybe even worked in the castle themselves, in the stables or scullery or whatever, as kids. And when they all got changed somehow the curse just made all of the kids teacups and so she is in charge of them now and she just refers to them as chips brothers and sisters because she treats them all the same but they're not really her kids or his brothers and sisters they are the kids of the people who worked in the castle Mm. no yeah i think the only The only issue I have with that theory is that it seems like most of the other characters were turned into something that related to the position that they held. Mm -hmm. So if that is the case, then all these kids would have to have been some kind of kitchen helpers, which, I mean, in a castle of this size, we saw the dining table um, and all the food put out on it. I could totally see why there would be like 25 kitchen kids that just like help running stuff around and cleaning up and stuff. So it's possible. But yeah, I mean, that that kind of makes more sense than the orphan theory, because you don't have to make up as much for it to (laughs) make sense. I don't know. That was just a thought. I kind of like it better than the orphan theory, though, personally. Yeah, it's a little uh, 
not as far out there. So anyway, we'll go with that one. Yep. Anyway, um, I did just remember that I was reading in the original script and I mean, this goes back a few minutes to when Chip and Mrs. Potts were first talking and we already talked about it a little bit, like why she got so upset that he said, it's a gr- there's a girl in the castle mm-hmm. and uh, why she was like, hey, you know, don't tell stories. And it was basically what we kind of guessed at was that. She was like, hey, you know, and I forget exactly what she said, so I'm just going to butcher it. <laughs> so I'm butchering this. But it's like, hey, you know, don't get anybody's hopes up by saying that there's a girl in the castle. Mm-hmm. You know, don't tell stories. And he was like, no, really. And then the, the um, feather duster comes in and confirms Chip's story. So we were right. Yay. Yay. Go us. Team Beastly Minute. Yeah. And uh, speaking of, I think that's all I have for this minute. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening, guys. So, yeah. We've enjoyed having you here, and we've enjoyed talking today about Minute 35. We hope you all have a great Friday and a good weekend. Don't forget to like and subscribe on iTunes and Google Play, as well as on our Facebook page and listeners group. You can find us there on Facebook as well as on Twitter. We would love to hear from you, your thoughts, theories, and ideas, videos you find that relate to Beauty and the Beast, memes, anything. We love it all. So if you would like to get a hold of us for some reason outside of those social media platforms, you can reach myself at janae.hyatt at gmail.com or at janaehyatt.com, and you can reach Bobby at growlermedia.com. Do you have any other last-minute thoughts, Bobby? Just if you uh, run out of things to listen to this weekend, if you don't have anything to listen to tomorrow, which is Saturday, head over to moviesbyminutes.com. There are a ton of other movies that are all following the same format that Star Wars Minute started up for us. So you're sure to probably find another movie that is doing the same thing that you love. Um, So go over there, check out the movies, start listening to other podcasts because we won't be around forever and we're not here on the weekends. So give them a try. There are a lot of great ones out there. Yep. So come back and be with us. Otherwise, I'll be alone with Janae and she'll never see me as anything but a monster. Oh my gosh. Different. I'm a growler. Zutalos, she has emerged. I'm keeping your bones.